the three O'Byrons and the evil fairies. In the dim kingdom, there is great abundance of all excellent things. There is more love upon the earth. There is more dancing there than upon the earth. And there is more treasure there than upon the earth. In the beginning, the earth was perhaps made to fulfill the desire of man. But now it has gotten old and fallen to decay. What wonder if we tried to pilfer the treasures of that kingdom? A friend once said the village near Sleeve League. One day he was straying about a wrath called Cashel Nor, a man with a haggard face and unkept hair and the clothes falling in pieces, came into wrath and began digging. My friend turned to a peasant who was working near and asked the man who he was. That is the third O'Byrne, was the answer. A few days later, after he learned this story, a great quantity of treasure had been buried in the wrath of pagan times and a number of evil fairies set to guard it. But someday it was found and belonged to the family of the O'Byrnes. Before the day, three O'Byrnes must find it and die. Two had already done so. The first had dug and dug until the last he had got a glimpse of the stone coffin that contained it. But immediately a thing like a huge hairy dog came down the mountain and tore him to pieces. The next morning the treasure had again vanished deep into the earth. The second O'Byrne came and dug and dug until he found the coffer and lifted the lid and saw gold shining within. He saw some horrible sight the next moment and went raving mad and soon died. The treasure again sank out of sight. The third O'Byrne is now digging. He believes that he will die in some terrible way the moment he finds the treasure, but that his spell will be broken and the three O'Byrne family made rich forever as they were of old. A peasant of the neighborhood once saw the treasure. He found the shin bone of a hare lying on the grass. He took it up. There was a hole in it. He looked through the hole and saw the gold heaped up under the ground. He hurried to bring a spade. When he got to the wrath, again he could not find the spot where he had seen it. Enchanted Woods Last summer, whenever I finished my day's work, I used to go to wandering in the certain roamy woods and there I'd often meet an old countryman and talk to him about his work and about the woods. And once or twice a friend came with me to whom he would open his heart more readily to me. He had spent his life lopping away the witch, elm and the hazel and the privet at the hornbeam from my paths and thought much about the natural supernatural creatures of the wood. He has heard the hedgehog, Crane Oge, he calls him, grunting like a Christian, 
and is certain that he steals apples by rolling about under an apple tree until there is an apple sticking at every quill. He is certain too that the cats, of whom there are many in the woods, have a language of their own, some kind of old Irish. He says cats were serpents, and they were made into cats at the time of some great change in the world. That is why they are hard to kill, and why it is dangerous to meddle with them. If you annoy a cat, it might claw or bite you in a way that a person would poison you, and would be the serpent's tooth. Sometimes he thinks they change into wild cats, and then a nail grows, and on the edge of their tails. These wild cats are not the same as Martin cats, who have been always in the woods. The foxes were once tame, as the cats are now, but they ran away and became wild. He talks of all wild creatures except squirrels, whom he hates with seems affectionate interest, though at times his eyes will twinkle with pleasure as he remembers how he made hedgehogs unroll themselves when he was a boy by putting a wisp of burning straw under them. I'm not certain that he distinguishes between the natural and supernatural very clearly. He told me the other day that the foxes and cats alike, above all, to be in the forths and lists after nightfall, and he will certainly pass from some story about a fox to a story about a spirit with less change of a voice than when he is going to speak about a martin cat, a rare beast nowadays. Many years ago he used to work in the garden, and once they put him to sleep in a garden house where, the, where there was a lot of full of apples, and all night he could hear people rattling plates and knives and forks over his head and loft. Once at any rate, he has seen an unearthly sight in the woods. He says, one time I was out cutting timber over an inchy, and about eight o'clock in the morning, when I got there, I saw a girl picking nuts with her hair hanging down over her shoulders, brown hair. She had a good clean face and she was tall, nothing on her head, and her dress was no way gaudy but simple. And when she felt me coming, she gathered herself up and was gone if the earth swallowed her up. And I followed her and looked for her, but I could not see her again. From that day to this, never again. He used the word clean as if he would use the words fresh or comely. Others too have seen spirits in the enchanted woods. A laborer told us that a friend of his had seen in the part of the woods that is called Shanwala, from an old village that was before the weed. He said, One evening I parted from Lawrence Mangan in the yard, and he went away through the path in Shanwala and bid me good night. And two hours later, there he was back again in the yard and bid me light a candle that was in the stable. And he told me that when he got into the Shanwala, a little fellow was about knees high and having a head as big as a man's body, came beside him and led him out of the path in the roundabout. And last it brought him to the lime killing, and then it vanished and left him. A woman told me of a sight she had 
others had seen a certain deep pool in the river. She said, I came over to the stile from the chapel, and others along with me had a great blast of wind come, and two trees were bent and broken and fell into the river, and the splash of water out of it went up to the skies. And those that were with me in many figures but myself, I saw only one, sitting there at the bank where the trees fell. Dark clothes he had on, and he was headless. A man told me that one day when he was a boy, and he had another boy, went to catch a horse in a certain field full of boulders and bushes of hazel and creeping juniper and rock roses. That is where the lake is, from a little clear of the woods, he said, to the boy who was with him. I bet a button that if a fling of pebble onto that bush, I will stay on it. Meaning that the bush was so matted that the pebble would not able to be go through it. So he took the pebble of cow dung. As soon as it hit the bush, there came out of it the most beautiful music that have ever was heard. They ran away. And when they had gone about 200 yards, they looked back and saw a woman dressed in white, walking round and around the bush. First it had the form of a woman, then of a man, and then it was going around the bush. I often entangle myself in argument more complicated than those paths of Inchi as to what is true nature of apparitions. But at other times I say Socrates said, when they had him learned opinion about nymphs of the Iliasis, the common opinion is enough for me. I believe that when I am in the mood that all nature is full of people whom we cannot see, and that some of these are ugly and grotesque, and some wicked or foolish, but very many beyond any one ever seen, and that these are not far away in the walking pleasant and quiet places. Even when I was a boy, I could never walk in the wood without feeling that at any moment I might find me somebody or something. I had long looked for without knowing what I looked for. And now I will at times explore every little nook of some poor coppice with almost anxious footsteps. So deep a hold has this imagination upon me. You too meet like imagination, doubtless, somewhere, wherever your ruling stars will have it. Saturn driving you in the woods, or the moon it may be, to the edges of the sea. I will not have certainly believed that there is nothing in the sunset, where our father, forefathers imagined the dead following the shepherd of the sun, or nothing but some vague presence as little moving as nothing. If beauty is not a gateway out of the net that we are taken at birth, it will not be beauty, and we will find it better to sit at home by the fire, fatten, lazy body, or to run hither or tither in some foolish sport, and to look at the finest show that light and shadow have ever made among the green leaves. I say to myself, when I am well out of the thicket of an argument, that there are surely there are the divine people, for only who have neither simplicity nor wisdom have denied them, and the simple of all times and the wise men of ancient times have seen them and even spoke to them. They live out their passionate lives not far off, as I think. We shall be among them when we die.
if we but keep our nature simple and passionate. May it ever be death that shall unite to all romance, and that someday we shall fight dragons among blue hills, or come to whereof all romance is but, foreshadowings mingled with the images of man's misdeeds in greater days than these, as the old men taught in the earthy paradise, when they were good in spirits. Miraculous Creatures There are marten cats and badgers and foxes in the enchanted woods, but there are a certainty mightier creatures, and the lake hides what neither nor fine can take. These creatures are of the race of that white stag, which flits in and out of the tales of Arthur, and of the evil pig that slew Deramid, when Ben Bulban mixes the sea wind. They are the wind creatures of hope and fear. They are of them that fly and them that follow among the thickets that are about the gates of death. A man I know remembers that his father was one night in the wood of the Inchi. When the lads of Gort used the stealing rods, he was sitting in the wall and the dog beside him, and he heard something come running from Abwan Muir, and he could see nothing but the sound of its feet on the ground was like the sound of the feet of a deer. And when it passed him, the dog got between him and the wall and scratched at it as if it was afraid. But still he could see nothing, but only hear the sound of hoofs. So when it passed, he turned and came away home. Another time, the man says, my father told me that I was in the boat out on the lake with two or three men from Gort. One of them had an eel spear, and he thrust it into the water, and it hit something. And the man fainted, and they had to carry him out of the boat to the land. And when he came to himself, he said that when he struck, it was like a calf, but whatever it was, it was not a fish. A friend of mine was convinced that these terrible creatures so common in the lakes were set there in old times by subtle enchanters to watch over the gates of wisdom. He thinks that if we sent our spirits down into the water, we would make them of one substance with strange moods of ecstasy and power and go out and may it to be the conquest of the world. We would, however, he believes, have to first outface the perhaps overthrow strange images full of more powerful life than if they really were alive. It may be that we shall look at them without fear when we have endured the last adventure that is death. Earth, fire, and water. Some French writer that I read when I was a boy said that the desert went in the heart of the Jews and the wandering and made them what they are. I cannot remember by what argument he proved them to be even yet indestructible children of earth, but it may be well that the elements have their children. If we knew the fire worshippers better, we might find that their centuries of pious observance have been rewarded, and that little of the fire has given them of its nature 
and I am certain that the water, the water of the seas and the lakes and the mist of the rain, has all but made the Irish after its image. Images from themselves in our minds, perpetually as if they were reflected in some pool. We gave ourselves up in old times to mythology and saw the gods everywhere. We talked to them face to face, and the stories of that communion are so many that I think they outnumber all like the stories of the rest of, the, of Europe. Even day to day, our country, people speak to the dead with some perhaps have never died as, to understand death. Even our educated people pass without great difficulty into the condition of quiet. That is the condition of vision. We can make our mind soul-like still. Yet water that beings gather about us that they may see. It may be their own images. And so live for a moment with clear, perhaps even with fiercer life because of our quiet. Did not wise Parfrey think that all souls come to be born of water? And that even generation of images is the mind is from water. This was just a few selections from the classic Celtic Twilight of W.B. Yeats. <laughs>